Well, last week um, we, we looked at King Jehoiakim's decision to cut up and burn God's words to him from the prophet Jeremiah. It was a powerful passage. And we talked about how we do that in our own lives today. Take out certain sections of God's word we don't like and remove them. Well, this week we're going to go back a few years to look at an event in the life of Jehoiakim's father, King Josiah. This is almost a prequel, I guess, to the scripture we had last week. It's the year 623 B.C. And God's people were stressed out. You see, for generations, the kings of Israel and Judah had led the people away from a belief in God alone. And they were following the pattern of the pagan culture around them. They were progressively opening their worldview to accept the the practices and the worship of of the pagan nations, even though God had told them to have values that were different from the unbelieving world. Now, they were stressed out because they knew change was coming. Anybody here ever get stressed out when you know something's about to change? Oh, yeah. I wish y'all could see all the heads that I just saw. They weren't stretching their necks. Yes. We don't like change. We like to know, because change is unknown, right? We know what's going to happen if nothing changes. But if there's change, I'm not in control then. I don't know what's going to happen. We want things to stay the same because we know what to expect. Even if our current ways of doing things may be even killing us spiritually. We don't want to change. Now the people knew that change was coming because a new king had come to the throne. And this king was threatening their worldview. His name was Josiah. When he became king of Judah, he was eight years old. Eight years old. Anybody ever seen an eight-year-old boy? Would you want to put that kid in charge of a nation? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> so think about this. When he's 26 years old, he's already been king for 18 years. Whoa, isn't that just crazy? Wow. Wow. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2, says that Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And he followed the example of his ancestor David. He didn't turn aside from doing what was right. Think about that. When he wanted to know what to do, he said, okay, what would King David have done 450 years before? He looked back. Why would Josiah look to the past for how to live when he should have been looking ahead at the modern world to stay relevant with what was going on? I mean, most 26-year-olds, I think, I I mean, I was this way. Regardless of where they live, they're about taking on all the modern world has to offer. 
I don't need the past. That's for old people. Give me what's new. Josiah certainly wasn't an ordinary 20-something. He understood the importance of, of the responsibility laid upon him to guide his people. So when he's 26, he ordered the nation and all of his administrators to renovate the temple that his ancestor Solomon had built 400 years earlier. See, it needed to be renovated because it was not even used. It had been basically abandoned because the people had moved on from Yahweh to other gods. Oh, that's the past. We're going to move on. Today, if you travel to Europe, you pay admission to go inside many churches. You know why? It's because they're closed. They're museums. That once Christian continent has left Christianity behind and it breaks my heart because it was the Europeans who brought Christianity to us. And now it's almost wiped off of the face of the continent of Europe. Our scripture passage that Jared read a little earlier is about what these workers found when they were cleaning out the temple. You know how you have a spring cleaning at your house? Oh, it's time to clean out the attic. I got to go through that closet. I don't even know what's in there. Well, these, these folks were, were in the temple. They're cleaning out this room. And Hilkiah, the, the priest, I mean, even the priest was cleaning out. He found this scroll. And he handed it to Shaphan, the, the, the king's secretary. And he said, look, I found this scroll at it's called something like the book of the law. What is this? They didn't even know what it was. So Shaphan read it. And he said, I think we ought to just let the king know what we found. Because he'd be interested in this. He likes history. So Shaphan went and he read it to the king. And he says, King... I did all these things that you asked me to do. I, I went and we, we cleaned out the room. I paid the workers like you asked. Oh, and I... We found this scroll. thought you might be interested in it. King says, read it to me. When Josiah heard the words from that scroll, he was in shock. And his heart began to break. See, the scroll was the law given to Moses. Most likely the book of Deuteronomy. It's the first time that a king in Jerusalem had heard those words in centuries. It had been lost. Josiah, the king, was in anguish because he knew that they were the nation that God had placed there, the people of Israel. They weren't living up to the standards of God that were written on this scroll. The scroll says we live a certain way, but Josiah said, look, this doesn't even look like us. So Josiah says to the priest Hilkiah, do not pass go, do not collect $200. 
Go straight back to the temple with this scroll. Find the wisest, godliest person you can. And ask that person what we need to do. So they run back to the temple. And who's the wisest, godliest person they can find? It's a female prophet named Huldah. Huldah? We didn't learn about her in Sunday school. Who's Huldah? And why would her parents name her Huldah? So here's this Huldah. She, she, she reads the scroll and, and, and she says, Oh my goodness. She replies, To them, this is what she says. The Lord says this. My people have abandoned me. And they've worshipped pagan gods. And I'm upset with them for everything they've done. Their time is limited. Dun, dun, dun. So they run back and they tell Josiah. And the king calls for reforms and a rededication of their nation to God. When we think about where we are today, how in the world would we ever allow God's word to be lost? Can you imagine the word of God being lost in a society? How can it become so irrelevant that we put more credibility in what celebrities have to say about issues than what the Bible says. But we do. Because the word of God is lost. We have great numbers of scripture passages and verses memorized. Yet we don't live how the Bible tells us to live. We, have, we live in a culture in which we have more printed Bibles in existence than ever before. Yet the word of God is lost to most Americans. I believe it. Most Americans. See, we read in the Bible about caring and for and welcoming aliens and foreigners among us. Yet we don't do that out of fear. We read in the Bible about welcoming the least and the last and the lost. But we focus instead on what's best for us. We read in the Bible about what's right and wrong. Particularly with regard to morality and marriage. But, oh, that's too old-fashioned. That's too narrow-minded. We read in the Bible that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can have a relationship with God the Father except through Jesus. Yeah, we just can't believe that because it seems so exclusive. It leaves too many people out. Yeah, God's word is lost to us, all right. Even to those of us in the church. See, when Josiah heard the word of God for the first time, can you imagine that? Hearing the word of God for the first time, he tore his clothes in grief because he knew that they weren't living up to God's standards. 
So he made reforms and God blessed him. How do we respond when we hear the word of God? When we read the Bible, does it drive us to our knees with conviction? See, rediscovering the the word of God in our lives brings blessings to us. And God honors our faithfulness and he blesses us. Rediscovering the word of God brings us hope. It brings us a renewed sense of purpose. It brings us and gives us an inner joy that we can't even try to explain. Yeah, God's word is a gift to us. You know, some people have called this book the, our, our textbook for life. I don't think that description goes far enough. There are lots of textbooks out there. But God's word is God's revealed heart and mind to us. It's what God wants to say to us to give us everything we need to live fulfilled, joyful lives here on earth. God's word is the only resource we need to understand what it means to live faithfully to God. But unlike Josiah who knew the word of God only as the text of Deuteronomy, we have a much fuller understanding of what the word of God is. See, in John chapter 1, verse 14, we hear these words. The word of God became flesh, and he lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only son of the Father. See, the word of God is not just a book. The word of God is a person. And his name is Jesus. And the word of God is God himself. See, with all the issues in the world that try to divide God's people, I wonder if Jesus, the word of God, has also been lost to us. Think about this. We seem to be so issue-driven today. We seem to be so politically driven, agenda-driven. Where's the love of Jesus in all of that? See, we in the church get so busy sometimes with programs and meetings and budgets and facility maintenance that if we're not careful, we can leave Jesus on the sidelines watching us do all of this work for him. See, this morning as we shared the Lord's Supper, it's, it's a time for us as a church family and it's time for us as individuals to remember that this church is not just about promoting programs. We're not about promoting agendas. We're not even about, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble. We're not about promoting the United Methodist Church. God wants us to be a church that is all about Jesus. The living word of God. And may we never forget that 
our lives, our activities. This church should always be about Jesus and for Jesus. Because that's what it means to be God's holy people. That's what brings us to the deepest blessings of God. See, disobedience to God, when we disobey God, we bring disaster upon ourselves. We do. But when we're faithful to God, he showers us with blessings. King Josiah knew this, and he led the people to a renewed faithfulness to God. God loves us. He doesn't sit there waiting for us to make a mistake so we can say, gotcha. That's not the God of the Bible. Everything God does in the Bible is about his love for us. And sometimes that's a tough love. Sometimes it's love that we don't want to accept. But we find out what God wants for us, what he intends for us to do in our lives with this word and through the living word. And I pray that as we see this example from King Josiah, we'll learn from him. Because as we've talked about this morning, our understanding of the word of God is far deeper than he ever had. So the expectations for us are even greater. It's all about Jesus. He is the word. Let's not lose him. Let's pray.